Uh, let me just tell you, uh, we're going to take a little trip this holiday season. We're going to go, let's say your in-laws, they lived on the West Coast and you live on the East Coast and you're going to take a, I don't know what possessed you to do this, but you're going to take a road trip. I think it's insane. But you decide to drive all the way out and you've had a great Christmas meal. It's New Year's now. You're driving home the three-day trek it's going to take to get back to the East Coast from the Pacific to the Atlantic. And you drive through, uh, you know, your, your in-laws. They just happen to live up in uh, Oregon or Washington State. And so you drive back. You begin that journey and you go through Oregon and Idaho and Wyoming and Nebraska and Missouri and Kentucky and West Virginia and finally you make it to Maryland where your home is and you're you're absolutely worn out. You've driven 3,000 miles in three days. You've taken 21 potty breaks. You've eaten 30 value meals, right? Your, your system's really shutting down. And you swear to yourself, I will never, ever drive to your mother's again, all right? But in that time, as you think about it, as you think about those three days and those 3,000 miles, you realize when you pass through those states, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, Nebraska, Missouri, Kentucky, West Virginia, and Maryland, you drove through eight states. And if you added up the population of every state you were in, every human being, man, woman, boy, and child, and you put them in the city of Mumbai, it'd be about the same population. You can drive coast to coast in this country and not in, in three days, 3,000 miles, and not see as many in Mumbai, as you'll see in Mumbai in 30 miles in three hours. You understand the concentration of lostness in various parts of the world. It's just, it's overwhelming. You really can't take that number in. And there are some keys to reaching that area for Christ. And they're the same principles that I pray we would use here. And they're incredibly, profoundly, ridiculously simple. They're so simple it'll make you angry for all those that go to Bible college and seminary and study your scriptures all your life trying to figure out these keys to Christian living. You're going to be mad. And uh, I want to demonstrate from scripture and through some of the stories from uh, our time in the last two years in India... A year of that was in Delhi, a year of it in Mumbai, the two most populated cities in India. And uh, I want to demonstrate from Scripture this one principle. And you're going to hear this word over and over again. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. But it's a very important word. Uh, There's a story that I've told before. It's of when Elijah was just uh, not quite as tall as he is now. He was about... Uh, two, three years old, and we were living in New Albany, Mississippi, and we were in a little parsonage there. They had, that, that crazy church had asked me to come on staff as their youth pastor. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, didn't know how to teach the Bible, and uh, I guess they knew I was in Bible college, so they thought I would be a genius. And uh, <clears throat> so y'all know me otherwise, so you're like, we already know you, so we know that's not true. So I, I was I really living at the edge of of my capacity at that time. I Vicky was uh, seemed to be pregnant all the time. <laughs> Some things don't change, and uh, and then uh, so we had 
uh, we just had Elijah. I think she was pregnant with Shiloh, right? And uh, I was going to school full-time and working full-time at the church and running a life center there. So, I mean, I was gone from, you know, 730 in the morning, and then I'd come home. I'd, I'd kiss Vicky and then go to work and be home around 10 o'clock that night. And it was just like that, a real constant schedule and busy. And I was in a rush a lot. And Elijah somehow found my toolbox and pulled it off the shelf, and tools went everywhere. And in that moment, I, I had a choice to make. Y'all know what I wanted to do. I wanted to throw all the tools back in the toolbox and be about my business, you know, pop his hand and be done with it. Don't do that. No, no. All right? And uh, for some reason... Uh, I had a biblical thought, and uh, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And I, even though I had a hundred other things on my mind, that tool, the tools are everywhere. Elijah's wondering, what am I mad about? And uh, this was, that made a really cool noise when it fell off the shelf. And so I sat down in the floor with Elijah. Elijah, you probably don't remember this. You were two. And uh, I said, sit down here, son. And so he sat down. I said, now, look, we don't pull the tools out on the, tool, out on the floor. We're going to put these tools back in this toolbox. And uh, so we did. And one by one, you know, he almost killed me with a few of those because he can, you know, he could barely hold some of those things up. And he's throwing them back in the toolbox, you know. It took 20 minutes to do what I could have done in 20 seconds. But it was much more rewarding. Because it involved this word that's made up in the very nature of God. It's a word that if you don't possess it, you won't do anything good for Jesus. And it's the word with. This is a profoundly simple word, but it's something we have absolutely lost touch with. It's the word with. You know, we've got garage doors and gates. We've got cell phones we don't have to answer. And we can just absolutely isolate ourselves from the most key principles of discipleship. You know what the Great Commission is? Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey. How do you teach someone to obey if you're never with them? You don't teach someone to obey just by preaching sermons. The scriptures are good. They do God's work. But if you don't have relationship and with, you're going to miss the whole picture of the God who created you. And so we're going to look at a few things uh, in Scripture, examples. We're going to be jumping all over the place and hitting on a few places. But I want you to hear what we're saying this morning. With is the rudder of discipleship. I was watching, we don't have television, and I was in a hotel, and I went to do a training. I went to have a meeting in, in Pune, and it's a, it's a city four hours outside of town. And Anyway, while we were there, we were staying in this nice hotel. It was funny because, you know, here we are in a nice hotel in a new city, and we're watching the Discovery Channel because it was awesome. And uh, we're sitting in the hotel room, and, and Vicki and I were, that night, we were watching the end of Titanic and um, you know that part where the, it's taken on water and Kate Winslet and DiCaprio, they're on the back rail. Well, at least all the girls know this movie. So 
I'll talk to you for a minute. So then it, and you guys probably had to sit through it because you, you're, you're good like that. And uh, so the, the ship had tipped up and the rudder was out of the water, you know? And it just stood out to me. I mean, it was so huge that, you know, that picture of that rudder out of the water. With is the rudder of the discipleship. And if it's not in the water, you're not steering the boat. It is the rudder. What the tongue is to the body, with is to discipleship. And I want to demonstrate a few things, just mention a few things. First, with was in the very nature of God before you and I or this world ever existed. Now, this is a really huge concept to get your mind around. But think about this. In your ESV study Bibles, which is a great study Bible, if you look up the Trinity, there's a, there's a paragraph there I want to read to you from the ESV study Bible. And here it is. Because God is triune, he has eternally been personal and relational in his own being, in full independence from his creation. That just basically means God doesn't exist because we do. God existed before we did. He's perfectly independent of us. God has never had any unmet needs. Nor is he served, this is Acts 17, 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Personhood becomes real only within realized relationships. And the reality of relationship can only exist where one has something or someone that is not themselves, not oneself, to relate to. If, then, God had not been plural in himself, he could not have been a personal, relational God until he had begun creating and thus would have been dependent on creation for his own personhood, which is a notion as nonsensical as it is unscriptural. So God, who could reveal himself to us in any way, has demonstrated himself to us in the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is crucial to understanding God. God exemplified with Before we were even born, before the earth even existed, he showed in his own personal essence that relationship was important. Now, we'll move a little to something a little more tangible. Secondly, uh, first, the attribute of discipleship existed with God from eternity past. That's the first thing I want you to understand. Secondly, with is seen in the very onset of creation. Y'all know, you've read your Bibles in Genesis 3, 8 and other places. It shows that Jesus, that God walked with, he was in the garden with Adam and Eve before the fall and after. Okay, he was with them. Now I'm getting to a point, we're talking about God. We're talking about a man we cannot stand in the presence of without dying. We're talking about just if he opened up his jacket a little bit. To show us his glory, we would glow, literally, like we'd been in a chemical blast. I mean, he's that holy and awesome. That God took the time to spend with his creation, with, with us. Not just 20 minutes with his son picking up tools. Has he not born with us? Has he not put up with much more than that with us? 
Third, with is seen in numerous Old Testament examples. I'll give you a couple. Moses and Joshua. Now, y'all may not remember this story, but Moses was getting ready to send out the 70. He sent out 70 prophets, which there is an alternate reading in the New Testament where they sit 72 out, two by two. And there's an alternate reading there in some manuscripts that says 70. And I think it parallels the Old Testament, a New Testament example of sending disciples out two by two. Moses did it 4,000 plus years earlier. Anyway, the point is that Moses sent out these prophets, and they were to prophesy I believe outside the camp. I won't go into the minutiae of that story. But the point is Joshua was there. He was just a little discipler, disciple hanging around Moses. And, and Joshua runs up because two of those prophets that had been sent out, they prophesied inside the camp. Now, I don't know. I won't get into all the rules and regulations of how they were supposed to prophesy. The point is they were prophesying, preaching uh, out uh, in a, at the wrong place. And so Joshua was going to tell Moses on him. And he runs to Moses and he says, Moses, those two guys, they, they are they're prophesying inside the camp. You want me to do something about it? You want me to get them? I'll tell them to stop. And Moses said, this is paraphrasing, are you crazy? And he does say, he says, I would, I wish that every man in Israel would prophesy. I wish every man would preach the truth of God. Boy, he shut Joshua up quick, didn't he? And you don't see this, but those are the type of these discipleship moments that make a man, that make a woman when she spends time with someone else. Things are passed on that are not passed on just with this. I'll I I give you a little test here. Raise your hand if you've been to Sunday school in your life more than 100 times. All right. Drop your hand. Raise your hand if you can remember 50% of the messages that you've heard in Sunday school. 50% of the messages? You can remember 50% of every Sunday school lesson. Well, you've only, you've only been twice to Sunday school, so that doesn't count. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Y'all, you know, if we're honest, the point is we can't remember all those lessons that we've learned. Now, can you remember 10% of them? Not if you're almost 40 and <laughs> you've been going to church for a while. No. But now, raise your hand if you can remember one of your Sunday school teachers. Why do you remember them? <laughs> Maybe it's because they're bad or didn't show up. I don't know. Maybe it's because they did, there was more to your relationship than just a message. Turn in your Bibles. This is what the Bible says. Let's pray. Let's turn our offering envelopes in. The end. That's not church. With is church. The called out ones together with one another. And Jesus demonstrated this all through scripture. Elijah and Elisha. You remember uh, Elijah passed the coat off to Elisha? Here's a good one for you. You may not pick up on this, but what about Rahab? You know who Rahab, she married a guy named Salome. I think he was one of the spies that went, were sent in to spy out the land. And this prostitute, this dirty girl who was always remembered, they always put prostitute with Rahab's name in the Bible. Rahab the, Rahab the. They weren't doing it to condemn her. They were doing it to show God's grace. 
to show that God redeems everyone. And Rahab, you think that woman understood the grace of God? Not only did he forgive her sins of prostitution, he forgave and saved her entire family from death. And in the mid-90s, they found a location known as Jericho Archaeological Finding, and there was one section of the wall still standing. You can read it in Biblical Archaeology magazine. Anyway, Rahab, who is she the mother or grandmother of? Who are her and her husband? Who did they give birth to? This, this guy who had a soft place in his heart for that, that downtrodden, formerly married widow known as Ruth. Boaz was the son or grandson, we don't know exactly, of Rahab. And I believe he saw the grace of God in his parents' life. He saw the the brokenness over their own sin and the way God had redeemed them. And that was passed off in a way that wasn't just verbal. And I'm saying there's tons of Old Testament examples of God with us. All right, y'all staying with me? I'm going to move quick. With is seen in the prophesied name of Jesus. 750 years before the earth began... I mean, not before the earth began, before Jesus came to the earth. There was a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah told in Isaiah 9, 6, he named some names of Jesus. He shall be called, what are they? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, let's back it up a couple chapters to Isaiah seven fourteen. What was his name to be called? Emmanuel, 750 years before Jesus was born, before the angel had appeared to Mary, God had already told a prophet, this is what I'm going to call my son. My son's name is going to be, what's it going to be? What's this name of God going to be? Emmanuel. Now we know in Matthew 123, I think, 123 or 27, it says Emmanuel, and it says, which means... God what? God with. I love that word. I want you to love that word. God with us. Why did God take Elijah out on a chariot? Was it because Elijah was a better Christian than you? Maybe he sinned less than you. That's probably true. But uh, is it because he was holy in and of himself? Is that why? Oh, he was a special prophet. Is God a respecter of persons? So then why did he take Elijah? I don't want to die. Take me out on a chariot. I I think it represents in the Old Testament just a flicker of the fact that God loves us so much. I think he gets so jealous sometimes. He just says, I need some more worshipers in heaven. Give me another. Give me another. Remember, Jesus looked out over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you like a hen, gathered her chicks under her wings, but you would not. God desires, you need to know this, regardless of all your jacked up sin, your pathetic home life, your pathetic past, God wants to be with you. He created you. He wants you with you. And this is the way we should love other people. This is the hunger we should have in our hearts to spend time with people, not to go home, push our button, pull into the garage in our SUV and get out and go watch some ridiculous uh, three hours of YouTube videos and a, and, a, and a sitcom. 
There is more to life than sitting around on your rumps doing nothing. Spend time with people. Jesus spent his very life to do it with you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. Just like the first day you fell in love with your wife. I mean, it's just like that to Jesus every day. He's just hungering to be with you. And it's in the very name. It's an attribute inserted into the very name of Jesus. If you go to Isaiah chapter 8, you're going to see the word in Hebrew. The word pronounced Emmanuel is an actual transliteration of the word God with us, which means God with us. It's the word Emmanuel. So when you say Emmanuel, you're speaking a Hebrew word. And that word is mentioned twice. You don't have to wait till Matthew 1 to, to figure out its interpretation that it means God with us. You can find it right there in Isaiah because there's, if you look in your Bibles, it'll say, O Emmanuel, in Isaiah 8. There's a word there, O Emmanuel. And it's translated as the name Emmanuel. And then you go down just a little further and it translates it, God with us, in, con- in a context. It's the same word. They use the same word twice in Isaiah 8. Once it means the name Emmanuel, and the second time, it's translated God with us. And so the definition of Emmanuel is 750 years before Jesus is born. We don't only have the name, we have it defined in the very nature of God and in his name. Now, I want you to uh, think visually just for a second. I want you to think of a a, a God. What's an icon that we could put on our iPhones for God? Uh, if, if you're a prophet, you may want it to be fire. But for now, because your brains are not catching up just yet, we'll just say a cloud. We're going we're gonna to think of uh, three pictures, okay? We want pictures that represent these things. First thing is God, okay? So God, what represents God? We'll just say it's a cloud, okay? God. Then, you know, God with us. And so what's going to represent us? Yeah, stick figure or something. We've got to be able to, you know, kids got to be able to draw it. So uh, God with. So we've got a cloud and we've got a blank space and we've got a stick figure or a couple to represent us. What picture would we draw for with? An arrow to people? Maybe a cross or something that represented Jesus, Jesus, God with us. The with is Jesus. Do you understand that? You can't be in the presence of God. Why would you even waste your time sitting in this pew? I'd rather be getting ready for pregame and eating Pringles right now. Are you kidding me? Pringles are awesome. Unless I could really be with God. And then I want to be here with others of his creation, worshiping him. That's why I want to be here. So God with us, with is Jesus. Now, what about God with them? God with them. God is still the cloud. Them is still the stick people. What's with? Who? Who or what? What picture would we put for with? God with them. What? Us. Us. You get what I just, I'm showing you here? God with us, it's Jesus who's in between. God with them, who's in between? Us. We're the with. 
We are the with, not just Jesus, us. Let me just tell you. Mount Pleasant sent a, a mere ragtag bunch of weirdos from this church, eight people, to last June to India. All right? You helped with your offerings. You actually helped send them. By the way, you actually are the reason I'm here, if you didn't understand the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. For, let me give a shameless plug real quick. You know that when you give through your church, some of that money gets to overseas. Okay? But when you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, every bit of that is spent overseas. As a matter of fact, when Vicki and I were at the training center nearby here, that money from Lottie Moon wasn't spent on us. It only gets spent on us when we go overseas. The, literally, the money from Lottie Moon Christmas offering, 100%, keeps missionaries on the field overseas. So I'm not trying to fluff your feathers. I mean it. It's follow the money trail. That's where it goes. All right? And so I'm telling you, praise the Lord. By the way, Josh Griffin, who was uh, who in the youth group here, he, you have no idea what incredible fruit that him and one of his friend, a friend that came from Colorado, these two, they, we have a hands-on program among the high, uh, college students. If you've completed a year of college, you raise some of your own support, and then the IMB kicks in the rest of the money, and you can go overseas and serve for a semester of your college, okay? And that's what these two guys did, one of them coming from Mount Pleasant, okay? So we're very much blessed. But this team, this eight, this ragtag band uh, led by Gary Beatty that came over there, I wanted them to plan a church. I mean, plan a Bible group, study group that would eventually become a church. That was my goal. I've, I, w- I w- had put the, the uh, importance on that saying, look, if we don't plan a church by the time you leave, we, f- we failed. That's the way I looked at it. And by Wednesday, they came in. We met on Sunday. We started action on Monday. By Wednesday, we started. We had seen five groups started in homes. People receiving the message. You know, Luke 10, go into a home, take nothing for your journey, go as you go. Uh, If someone invites you into their home, say peace be upon, if they receive the message, say peace be upon this house. If they don't, shake the dust off, go to the next home. You get that. That's the the strategy we use. It actually, it works. And uh, it works too good because we had to stop the group and go do other evangelistic things because we didn't have enough pastors there to follow up with these Men, because we're not, we don't want to just send white people to all these Indian churches. We want national Indians going and training these men and women. So, the long story short, of those five groups, I thought, you know, hey man, praise the Lord if one of them stays, but three of those groups have stayed. Two of them were among Hindu background believers, and they continued to meet every Monday and Thursday nights ever since June. Why? Because of you. Now, I'm not, I'm, I mean that. If that team hadn't come, those men and women wouldn't be being discipled in God's word. There's a third group. I don't know why I didn't go to India to focus on Muslims. But here we are going down through the alleyways. No one had invited us in one day, and I get invited into this home. And how was I to know his name was Khalid? And he was a Muslim background guy, and he was ready to receive Jesus. Whoops, sorry, I didn't come here for you. Next, no, I'm praise the Lord. So we went back the next week. We showed the Jesus film. His house was full. He had invited all his neighbors. 30 people crammed into a shack this guy's lived in for 10 years. It's his home. He's a 23-year-old kid, young guy. And and this home is maybe 
smaller than your kitchen, and it's his house, and they, you know, there's a little dim light overlooking the international airport in Mumbai on this hilltop slum. And he says to me, this movie has changed my life. I believe only in the name of Jesus. Now, how do you explain that? I'll tell you how you explain it. With. Mount Pleasant doesn't just give money. Praise the Lord for the money. But it's you. I'll trade a million dollars for a man. I'll trade a million dollars for a man any day. Now, praise the Lord, you should give. We're ridiculously stingy. Statistics, latest statistics show 2% of the money we give in our U.S. churches get overseas. Do you realize we have 44,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention? And I need 60,000 more churches in Mumbai City alone just to reach 10% of the population. Do you understand that? There are thousands of churches already in Mumbai, and I need 60,000 more men today. And that's if you only believe in one pastor for, per church. And I believe in a plurality of elders. So I need 120,000 more. And if you add up every student, man, woman, that's in a Southern Baptist seminary, in the six Southern Baptist seminaries spread across our state, they add up to 15,000 in enrollment right now. And I need three times that enrollment just to reach the need for laborers. You need to stop praying for the harvest. Stop it. Stop praying for lost people and start praying for workers. We do not need more saved souls. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just, you're, you've lost your mind, Went. No. Jesus said, did he say, beg God for more Christians? Yeah, sure, we should pray for the lost. But he said, pray for the harvesters. We need more harvesters. If I had men like a Pez dispenser, you could give me a spit out a man, a godly man who knew the word, who met the Timothy and the Titus requirements for being a, a pastor or a shepherd. I, I am not exaggerating. I'll bet you $10,000 if any of you come over to India. My, I'll give you a $10,000 challenge right now, and I'll, I'll, I'll back it. You come. We'll go out with a translator, and we'll start a Bible study group in three hours. Three hours, a group that'll meet from now and forever studying God's word. They'll grow into a church. We don't have the workers. That's what we need. And so with, if you don't spend time with people, that's where the gap is. We don't spend time with men. So these young men grow up. They don't know how to teach. They don't know how to preach. They don't, they don't know how to handle scriptures because we're not showing them the, the ins and outs. Of all these things. So with. With is an important word. And I could go on forever. But let me just tell you. In the last six weeks. We've seen. 20 to 40 Muslims give their hearts to Jesus. In the last six months. I've seen. I don't know. How many people come to know Jesus. From the men that we're training. Uh, it's probably up in the hundreds. We've seen 10 Muslims baptized. I've got pictures on my computer. I didn't put them all up there. My computer crashed just before I came, praise the Lord. My backup computer, the Dell that I bought when I left, it, I'm, I'm quickly becoming a Mac fan. Anyway, but I've got pictures of a, of a, of a Muslim in his, with his little beanie being baptized in front of a mosque in the Arabian Sea <laughs> in front of pub, the public. 
I mean, he could lose his life, his job, and his family. He doesn't care. That's in the last three weeks. <laughs> I'm telling you, the harvest is ridiculous. It's just like walking through a candy shop. It's like walking through a bunch of low-hanging fruit. It's just, just take it. Take it. And I, I, I'm telling you, we've got to start believing in this word with you know, my wife goes into the brothels. Vicky's been going into the brothels. A brothel is a prostitution ring, if you don't know what a brothel is. Yeah, I mean, it's a place you get off at a train stop, you walk into a slum, and there's a four or five nasty houses with 60 or 70 prostitutes. You can get any of them you want for two bucks for five, ten minutes. And my wife goes into that jacked-up environment, crazy environment, with another elderly woman, and they go in there, and my wife learns hint stories in Hindi, and she tells them to the, the women. Some of them are there by choice. Some are, are there because they were brought there when they were 12, and they don't know any other life, and they've, now they're shamed, and they can't go home because no one wants them, and marriages are arranged. Who's going to mar- arrange their marriage of their son with a prostitute? And just life is all, all but over for them. They're just caught in this rut, and a rut's just a coffin with the ends kicked out. And that's where my wife goes. Why? Why would she do that? Because she knows this word. With. With. If I had time this week, if I could do some of my ministry years over at Mount Pleasant, I'd spend more time with you. Now, I spend a lot of time with you, with people. But I'd spend more time with three. More time with 12. The God of the universe that spoke the world into existence. You know that Hebrew word bara. It means to create out of nothing. He spoke the world into existence. Not from something, from nothing. That God spent his ministry years on this planet, his three short years, with who? Twelve. You can carve out Peter, James, and John. He spent special time with Peter, James, and John. Three. Don't look back on your life and say, I never spent time with anyone. I just felt like a, an eternal politician shaking hands and smiling at birthday parties. Spend time. Pick someone out. Pour your life into somebody. And don't think you're not good enough or know enough scripture to do it. I got four, five, ten people that I can, I can say, I believe because of my investment, God through me, my investment in their life, has, has meant something. That's, that means all the world. That's what makes me sleep at night. Because I know my life is not for nothing. It's not this ethereal cloud of discipleship. It's this on earth, in your face, with. We've seen, we've, in the last couple of years, we've seen mobile Bible trainings begun. We've seen, we've got Muslim projects in the works to show the Jesus film on TV so that scared Muslims can reply by text messages so that they can get a copy of uh, the New Testament, which, by the way, the Quran actually, Muhammad actually commands his people to read the Injil, which is the New Test, the, uh, the Gospels. Anyway, the point is, we can use the Quran, the Muhammad's own words. Hey, you don't want to read the Bible? Your own prophet said you should. And it's just the, the gospel is just, it's so abundant and ridiculous that I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Except share it, because it's, it's scary. Uh, you, get ready. 
if you, if you start sharing it and you start believing that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Because <laughs> you know you'll wake up and it will be. And you'll have a bunch of saved people all around you. And what are you going to do then? You know, then all the people that don't like the sound of the music that we're trying, you know, we're using are going to be ticked. And then there's just, you know, it could get, it could cause problems. With, I invest my whole life in this one word. I'll spend the rest of my life investing in this one word. In our children, with, with, you can't be exchanged for an expensive Christmas gift. The, the iPod 4S, that's not going to get it dads that's not enough you don't have enough money in your wallet to buy your daughter but your your presence will, will buy her for a lot less all right and husbands and wives and the people the lost pagans we live around praise god for them i were one all right i love you let's pray